Welcome. I am your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, joined by a special short-notice guest, receiving the call and like you know what i'm here i know a guy that's exactly what he dm'd me we're with my guy clint from diehard mma podcast you guys can obviously follow him at diehard mma pod and we are here propping you up for ufc vegas 43 headlined by ketlin vera and misha tate uh what a card to bring you on for clint how, how do you how do you what are your early feelings about this well not early but you know pre-fight day feelings about this uh card in general well, first off, I love the show. It's one of the ones I watch every single week. As a podcaster, we don't have time to enjoy podcasts these days, yeah. and this is one of the ones I make time for, so excited to make my debut. Um, card is sketchy. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a classic dumpster dive for me, and you know I love my dumpster diving lock, so I think there's some money-making opportunities here. I'm going to be the guy, as per usual, that either looks like a complete genius <laughs> or a complete idiot come Saturday afternoon. So I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I think the the majority of the, the handicapping community and the, the predictor community is trying to bounce back from uh looking stupid this past weekend let's put it that licking way. our collective wounds <laughs> exactly it seems like as a whole everybody kind of shit the bed this past week so hopefully we can uh get a dub this weekend because next weekend there's no ufc event so if you come off a losing event this weekend you're going to be licking your wounds for a little bit longer than you're than you're used to considering the type of ufc schedule that we normally get uh but yeah we spoke right before we hopped on uh you said you chose more or sorry more sides uh on this card than props you know i mean you you're not you're not too scared to throw on some Lambo props that you were saying earlier. Shout out to our guy Narco Cop over there doing his Lambo parlay every Friday night. But um, I'm hoping once we talk through this card, we can extract some more props. I like a couple props here already, you know, before we jump on the stream. But as we talk through this, I'm looking forward to seeing which ones catch your eye. So let's not waste too much more time. Let's just get right into the thick of things because the weigh-ins are currently going on right now. I haven't watched it at all. I haven't seen anybody on the scale yet. But I did see a tweet from somebody that said, uh, all but four fighters weighed in within 13 minutes, which is amazing news. I don't believe anybody missed weight. Is that correct, Clint? So far, no misses from what no I've misses. been able to see. Uh, do you have the weigh-ins, obviously, to come do the show with you. Uh, okay. Uh, but from it was fast and furious, man. Everybody got on the scale. They got their weight called, and they got off quick. It's uh, It's been a quick one this morning. In terms of the guys that are left, do you have that noted down in terms of who is left to weigh in? I still? do. So Perfect. when I paused my stream here, Tucker Lutz had yet to weigh in. Um, Sean Soriano and Sam Hughes were the only three, I believe, who were left to come on the scale. Okay, perfect. Interesting, because uh, I have some good opinions about those matchups specifically. So we'll see how that comes into play. All right, first fight of the night. We got, actually, afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern start time for the fights. So don't get caught napping, fellas. Uh, first fight of the night, Nuana Pinheiro going up against the aforementioned Sam Hughes, in terms of odds, we're talking about minus 400 for Pinheiro, plus 330 Sam Hughes. Uh, if I, I, I can't wrap my head around the minus 400 Pinheiro here. You know, I mean, it's a lot of that banshee early fight, trying to get her women out of there. But like Sam Hughes is a tough nut to crack. I know she had that that uh, that that loss to uh, Tisha Torres in her UFC debut, but let's cut her some slack. To, that's a giant step up in competition on super short notice. Don't know what really happened with her eye there in that fight, but again, that fight gets called off after the first round. You know, I know a lot of people on that over one and a half in that fight were really uh, shitting, shitting their pants after they saw that uh, the, the trouble that Sam Hughes was in. But I feel like Sam Hughes presents the the proper 
style to give a girl like Pinero some problems in terms of being gritty and durable enough to survive early. And then after that, really pushing Pinero and possibly exposing that gas tank, which I think she has a terrible issue with. You know, we saw Pinero slow down. She she lost her, uh, she, she won a decision in a fight, w- which was relatively uh, inactive. And then she lost a decision, I think in her third or fourth fight, where again, another inactive fight, but it seemed like she was trying to conserve her energy, uh, pretty much moving back the entire time and just throwing a pot shot every now and then. Um, I do believe that Marcos fight, I feel the tide was turning. Like to the naked eye, to the untrained eye, it seemed like Pinero was just absolutely destroying her, which she was, but her body language was not good like the last 30, 40 seconds of that fight before it got stopped due to that illegal knee. And I feel like Ronda Marcos, if that fight continued to go on, probably could have drowned her and probably could have gotten her out of there in the, the third round of that fight. I feel like Sam Hughes could replicate something like that here. And at plus 350, I already took a half unit shot on her there. And I have a couple round props that I've already played for her as well. Uh, shout out to Kubat, who always drops phenomenal round betting uh, lines. I got uh, round two Sam Hughes plus uh, 2,400 and round three Sam Hughes at plus 3,000. Uh, got to take a shot on those. Another spot that I do like is the under two and a half. If you like Pinheiro, you think she finishes Sam Hughes. So you're getting a much better line at the under two and a half around even money compared to paying the minus 400 on her. Take her inside the distance as well. Do not pay minus 400 on a girl that has gas tank issues. We saw what happened with Mahmoud Sebi in Bellator the other week, guys. We know this is, can happen. I still believe that Pinero needs to deal with that gas tank, and Sam Hughes is a good enough uh, person to to exploit that. Last thing I'll say about this, and then throw it on over to you. Sam Hughes won a round off of Loma Lukbumi. So if she's as shit as everybody is expecting her to be, what does that say about Loma Lukbumi, right? Who have, people have a lot of uh, trust in and, and believe that she's very skilled herself. So I like Sam Hughes here. I am taking the de- degenerate underdog shot. But in terms of a prowess perspective, round three, I'm hitting. Round two, I'm hitting. Um, yeah, I think that's more than enough. Even our money line is enough that we don't have to get too greedy with the props. How do you feel about this matchup? I see you in the chat, Rex Lee. You're going to have to wait for that dance until I'm profitable for 2021, <laughs> baby. Um, so, Locke, I would love to come on here and first fight of the night, give a, a nice counter punch and, and talk about something that you missed. And the problem is we see this fight the exact same way. I think that Sam Page is a little underrated. I think people are not giving her the due credit that she deserves. She's better than she's shown so far in the UFC. And the big thing with Loma Lukbunmi was she just didn't have an answer for those trips. It's like when William Knight fought Da Eunjung and he went back to that same damn trip time and time again. He just didn't have an answer for it. And if any of you have actually done jujitsu, judo, martial arts of any kind, until you learn the defense for something, you're going to keep giving it up. So that's not something they can adjust between rounds and be like, oh shit, just do this and you're fine. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. You've got to drill it. You got to practice it. You got to learn how to counterbalance your weight to combat something like that. So she was just unable to get her grappling going against someone like Loma Lukbunbi because that Muay Thai trip was there and she just couldn't find a, a gear to shift beyond that. I think Sam is a lot better than we've seen. I don't like Luana Pinheiro, though I do understand that she's a hot prospect. I do understand that she's vicious early on in that round one, but I try not to bet on bad gas tanks, and I try not to bet on bad chins. She's got a bad gas tank. Until we see her go a full 15 minutes at the UFC level and be able to take somebody through those deep waters and hold it together, I'm going to be convinced that she can't do it. So maybe she shows us she can do it on Saturday. I don't think she will. The one thing that I would say, though, is my plan on this one is to live bet Sam Hughes after round one because Luana Pinheiro is damn sure going to win round one. And if she looks like she does at the end of the round one against Marcos, we should get a juicy number on Sam Hughes, and then she should be able to fight her way back in. 
I like that under two and a half spot. I do think we see violence and we have seen Sam both TKO'd and submitted. Luana could do either one of those in round one. That under two and a half keeps both fighters in your bet to cash. And honestly, I'm looking at a Sam Page round three sprinkle. I mean, they've got it all the way as high as 35 to one in some places. Those are going to be kind of the ways I attack this first fight of the night. Um, really rooting for Sam Hughes. Anybody who fakes a, fakes a knockout to get a win like that, I'm sorry, I can't be a fan of you. So just personally, I'm definitely on Team <laughs> Sam Page this week. No, I definitely agree with you there. I, I, yeah, we need to see that gas tank tested before we can say anything. And one thing that we can say about uh, Sam Page, I want to say Rampage, but Sam Page, one thing <laughs> we can say about her is that she pushes the fight. She pushes the pressure. She gets in your face. You know, she she likes that clinch up against the cage, running her head into your chest and all that stuff. She's going to make Pinero work. So if Pinero doesn't finish her early here, she's going to be in trouble in rounds two or three. So uh, shout out to anybody that's trying to make that minus 400 on Pinero here. Not a good look, in my opinion. Those explosive hip throws take energy, man. If she hits five hip tosses in round one, give me Sam Page, baby. She's going exactly. to be she's gonna be sucking wind in round two, and Sam Page ain't going nowhere. She'll be right back in her face. Exactly. Uh, you said it, but we also have to shout out our viewer here, Paulo D'Alessandro, saying live bet Hughes after round one. She'll probably be plus 700 or something like that. Yep, I absolutely agree. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Shailan Nurdambieke. Uh, nailed it. Uh, going up against Sean Soriano in terms of odds. Heavy chalk uh, here on Soriano. Minus 275 is what he currently sits at. Plus 235 is return on Shailan. Now, Shailan, well, you know what? This fight seems pretty binary to break down. Shailan wants to get the takedown. Soriano wants to keep it on the feet and probably knock him out. And that's kind of the spot that I'm leaning towards more. So I do think that we'll see Soriano with the much crisper striking should be able to put a, put some good combinations on Shailan. And I actually think he knocks him out. <clears throat> Plus 220 is a knockout prop here on Soriano. And, you know, I'm not willing to pay a minus 275 on a mediocre fighter. You know what I mean? All respect to Sean Soriano. But since his UFC initial UFC departure, he only went six and four. You know what I mean? Like, you, need, you usually need a slightly better record than that. But luckily for him, you know, he has the COVID thing going on that, that you know, fighters that, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be in the UFC, but fighters that, probably don't deserve to be in the UFC are getting that advantage of the COVID situation where they need fighters to fill in spots. Uh, and not to mention he's over there at Sanford MMA already tied up with a lot of the big names and stuff. So he's already having a little bit of a rub with the UFC brass. Uh, so I understand why he made it into the UFC again. Not to mention, great first round against uh, Christos Iagos last time around, but he did get caught in that dark stroke afterwards. So um, a couple of different ways you could play it, in my opinion. I saw, shout out to my guy Magic, I saw him tweet out a free bet, plus 1,200 Shailan by submission. Uh, there's five submission losses on Sean Soriano's record, so I kind of understand that. Uh, but out of the 19 wins, if I'm not mistaken, of Shailan, only five of them are by submission. So I'm not sure how proficient he is in those. Uh, but the fact that he always looks to drag the fight to the ground, a submission could possibly be there. However, I think that Soriano will be ready for that. Uh, Shailan seems to struggle to hold opponents down even when he gets them down. Uh, and that's the issue here. I think that Soriano should be able to get back to his feet. I think he'll be able to light him up and possibly knock him out within the first two rounds. If he wants to go out there, and I saw another fighter actually beat Shailan by using his own game plan against him. Because Shailan doesn't look the greatest off of his back right he has hit a couple of reversals at times but for the most part when fighters are able to establish the top control he can get grinded out and i could see soriano doing that he did it to a wrestler a couple of fights ago in jose mariscal um so maybe he takes that approach but if he stays sharp on the feet shucks uh, shucks off a couple of takedowns stuffs a couple of takedowns he can let his hands go and i think he'll be able to find that knockout blow here so the spot that i like is soriano by ko 
uh, I'm more than likely will be sprinkling some money on that. What's your favorite prop in this fight? And how do, who do you ultimately think ends up getting the nod here? You know, again, man, you you really chopped it up well on this one, and it's hard to add anything to that. The the comment about this fight being binary is about as good as it gets. Shailan has to wrestle. Like, the only time he wins fights is when he's physically dominating his opponents. That's how he gets his fights done. And the problem is, I would love to take that shot by submission, but again, like you said, he's really not that gifted of a submission specialist. It's just that Sean Soriano is so bad on the ground that there's a chance he gets it done. Uh, I think Sean Soriano showed some good improvements in his last fight, man. The big sprawl that he showed in his last fight showed some good hips, some good awareness. I just don't know if he can keep it up for a full 15 minutes. I feel like this fight is a decent spot to bet on violence again, maybe go under two and a half just because Sean Soriano should win this fight in round one. But Sha Yulan is a tank of a man. He's durable. He's tough. If he's going to work his way back into this fight, I do think he's available to get a submission or a ground and pound finish if he can get Sean into his world for about 10 minutes in the uh, the back half of the fight, you know, rounds two and rounds three. So I definitely think another violent spot under two and a half. I really hate this fight. I hate the price tag on Sean Soriano. I would never be paying that much for him. And it's hard to trust Charlie Yilan. So even though that big juicy number on the underdog sounds great, this is another one just like last fight that if Sean Soriano looks like he's fading after round one, maybe I'll jump in live on Sha Yilan after round one. But you got to see the signs that Sean is starting to suck wind before you can pull that kind of a trigger. So sketchy fight. I'm avoiding it altogether. But if I was going to have any kind of... Man, I don't think a round total counts as a prop bet so i can't say under two and a half <laughs> is well, i, I be count that as a prop i count that as a prop okay all right if that yeah. counts for a prop that's what i'll yeah. take because honestly i hate pretty much everything else <laughs> there you go there you go shout out to our guy uncle wheezy saying he's on the fight doesn't go to decision for this as well 14 combined losses between the two guys 11 have finished inside the distance 80 yep. percent for a bet there and we're getting 54 percent implied so shout out to my guy uncle wheezy dropping some knowledge on us there uh yeah absolutely agree with him all right let's move on to the next fight we got cody durden going up against arichi lang in terms of odds we're currently looking at minus 165 for the wrestler cody durden and plus 145 for the striker arichi lang um for some reason i always thought that cody durden was much shorter than he is but then once i actually looked at these guys like their statistics and their metrics and all this stuff they're, they're the same size i don't know why i thought cody durden was undersized for this division but that kind of helps me in terms of you know, I thought if he was much shorter, we'd see uh, Airechi Lang kind of keep him on the outside and use a striking, which is obviously where he probably has the advantage in this fight. But I just seen him taken down by much lesser competition, which leads me to believe that Cody Durden will likely have the same amount of success here, if not more. And then from there, he usually does pretty good work from on top, seeking submissions or seeking the TKO. But if he doesn't, things get a little bit risky you know later in the fight especially if he goes starts going for desperation takedowns one of Irichi lang's favorite moves is that flying knee and he sets it up pretty well i think he's knocked out at least two guys on tape that i've seen now with it and i could see cody durden kind of getting lulled into a flying knee as well um the violence in this is probably another way to go you know i know we're, we're starting the this this uh fight card off with some solid violence spots and i think that this one is another one they're under two and a half currently sitting at plus 170 uh not too bad of a line in my opinion but I do like Cody Durden here. I do think he gets his uh, grappling off, and I could see him possibly getting this done in the second round. Uh, TKO or submission from on top. I think that wrestling pressure is going to be a little bit too much for Arichi Lang to be uh, to 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 withstand. So Durden inside the distance plus three thirty five. I don't mind that. That that's kind of screaming out to me a little bit more as fight week is going on. How do you see this one going down? 
I'm glad we have a little bit of uh, a disagreement here on this one, man. I actually kind of like the Aori side. Um, I think that Cody Durden is frankly overrated. I haven't been a big fan of his, and I don't know that he's shown me much that I should believe he should be a minus 265 here in this spot. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday that there's just one line that I'm waiting on. There's one spot that I want to bet, and it's Quilangi Ori because this dog line just keeps on going up and up and up. And I, I'm going to let people, you know, back Cody Durden as much as they want, and then I'm going to pounce on the other side of it. Uh, Quilangi Ori. I mean, he's only 28 years old. This guy is still young. He's uh, getting into his prime. And even though he's got uh, eight losses on his record, he's got a lot of experience. He's going to get adjusted to the UFC level. And he really impressed me in the fight against Jeff Molina. Jeff Molina is a prospect that I am super high on. I really like. He took the kitchen sink from Jeff Molina, man. Mm -hmm. I, if Jeff Molina couldn't put this guy down, I have no reason to believe that Cody Durden is going to be the one who's going to be able to get him down. And Durden is a guy that seems to fall apart, in my opinion. If he doesn't get that early finish, he comes out like a, a bit of a banshee, maybe not quite as bad as some of the other fighters we've talked about, but he tries to get that grappling going. He goes heavy, he goes hard. And then if he can't get his opponent out of there, I mean, he kind of relies on that chain grappling, but again, I haven't been overly impressed with what he's been able to do with it against his uh, level of opposition that we've seen. And uh, he's, I know it's a bit of a recency bias thing, but he's coming off that lost Jimmy Flick, who's now a uh, retired fighter. And uh, that that never looks good when you're taking on current UFC roster guys. I think Quilang Aori is getting better. And I think his wrestling is decent, that he'll be able to keep this thing in his realm. And then I actually don't see a finish coming on this one. I think this one goes over. I think these guys end up in the body lock up against the fence quite a bit. And I think uh, Quilang Aori by decision at plus 280 is the way I would go on this one. I like it. Some uh, some difference. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I could absolutely see that as well. I am very impressed with his uh, his striking for sure. And I did not do my job at all by not saying that he is the Mongolian murderer. Like, how the <laughs> fuck could I skip that? Like, you gotta, you gotta that mention that every single but I mean, time. Man, for a guy called the Mongolian murderer, like he's got 11 of his 18 wins by decision. And that's why I kind of think the over is in play here. That great fight name, man. It's an awesome fight name. But let's be real. He, he doesn't murder much of anybody. So uh, I, I think Cody Durden will be tough enough to hang in there. And the, the murderer will uh, get through with the decision. <laughs> well, well, what's the what's the nickname we got to go with? Then? The Mongolian injurer? The Mongolian... <laughs> You know, what do we go with? Like, what's a step below murderer? What's the, what's the, like, the Mongolian paper cut? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Kill you with a thousand paper cuts, whatever it was. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next right here. We got Terrence McKenney going up against Ferris ZM. This was one of the closer line fights uh, throughout the week. Right now, it's sitting at minus 125 for ZM, plus 105 for Terrence McKenney. Uh, you didn't like violence last time. I think you're going to like violence this time, considering what Terrence McKinney brings to the table. The guy, how could you not like uh, violence right? here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Terrence McKinney, uh, a banshee, right? Like his last, what was it, four opponents only combined for about 107 seconds of fight time, which is crazy. Uh, obviously, we know his UFC debut short notice against Matt Frivola goes out there and dusts him with the first combination that he throws seven seconds. I believe that's the fastest in lightweight history. So big ups to him for being able to achieve that. But the guy has power, man. He's built very lanky and we 
weird and able to generate uh you know momentum to knock out these guys from weird situations i've seen him knock out a guy from full guard like it's just insane the ability this guy uh can can muster up in terms of his power um his grappling seems to be his bread and butter though he wants to get the fight to the ground and i think from there he really does some good work in terms of looking for submissions or looking for finishes from on top he does have a sneaky head kick as well that he's able to land on a couple of opponents uh which guys don't really see coming at times but i feel like a guy like ferris see him very you know, seasoned striker should be able to see that coming from a mile away. I think the the striking style of McKinney is a little bit too wild that if he does, you know, overswing a little bit too much, ZM will probably be able to catch him on a counter of some sort. But we have seen McKinney when pushed in fights and got into the second and third rounds, the guy slows down quite a lot. And I feel as though even if ZM hasn't gotten a finish inside the UFC yet, this could be a prime position for him to go out there and do that, excuse me, in rounds two or three of this fight. The way that I'm playing it, I already have an official play. Shout out to Corbett, uh, minus or sorry, plus 600 on Terrence McKinney round one. I took a half unit stab on that because I believe that's probably the the you know the bulk of his win condition is to get this done early. But after that, you know, Zian probably takes over in rounds two and three, uh, probably even gets a finish in round three. So under two and a half, uh, I think it's around minus 185. Not too bad of a bet, in my opinion. Uh, again, the the recency bias of Zian uh, not finishing fights. I think that's going to change here uh, with uh, with the way that McKinney fights. You always need that one like legitimate ingredient in a fight. For me, it used to be Nico Price. It used to be Jillian Robinson, but they really kind of started to like shore up their games. Whereas Tense McKinney still seems like a wild banshee at times, right? His striking still needs a lot of work. He really just has that head kick, let's be honest. Outside of that, it's a little bit too wild and reckless, especially when you're going up against a seasoned striker like ZM. So uh, my props, like I'm saying, round one, Terrence McKinney, uh, I got a plus 600. I'm hearing that it's around plus 400 on, on FanDuel and all these other spots. I think, still think that's a really good spot. Uh, and then the under two and a half of the fight doesn't go to the decision. Those are the spots that I'm looking at. I'm picking McKinney round one. How are you seeing this one? I think you hit the nail on the head again, man, except I'm going to go on the opposite side here. I think for us, Yam is... Uh, <laughs> Honestly, man, I think he's another fighter that's criminally underrated. How many times have we seen these hype trains come into the UFC? They dip them into like the middle of the division rather than going at the bottom of the division because they think they're hot shit and they end up getting stomped. It takes a fight or two to calibrate at the UFC level. It's a new world up here. So yeah, Terrence McKinney has knocked out a couple of guys, but the one time we saw him get extended, he was huffing and puffing. He didn't know how to manage his gas tank. And honestly, I don't like the way he reacts when he gets hit. He likes being the hammer. I I don't think he's a very good nail. And I think Faraziam is the kind of guy that will find the hole in that offense because he's so technical. He's so patient. Now, he can't be too patient here, obviously, but the way McKinney fights, you better be ready for a firefight. Like, if you come in expecting to turn this into a technical range game, you're just not doing your homework. Like, when you've got a guy like Terrence McKinney, he makes the fight a brawl and he makes the fight something you have to be ready for from the very first bell. I do think that Faraziam is going to take advantage of the holes in Terrence McKinney's game because they are there, they are available, and the guy has won several fights already in the UFC doing exactly what he does very impressively. So it's hard to really feel like... Uh, uh, you know what? I had this spot last week, man. There's all these fighters that come up that are round one monsters and they can win in round one. Sometimes you look like an idiot because you bet against them and yeah, they're going to win and they're going to do it in round one if they get the dub. But what happens after that? I definitely think that Faraziam is the type of guy that's tough and durable enough, at least early, to go ahead and weather that early storm and then turn the tables on someone like Terrence McKinney. And I think I would be taking a shot at Ziam wins by KO.
oh, that looks like uh, plus 300, plus 320 floating around out there. Uh, I don't want to do any specific round because the way McKinney fights, this thing could be over in the first. Maybe it takes him until the second or the third once McKinney slows down. But I do think that Ziam does end up getting a finish in this spot. And man, if you want to just be safe, Fight doesn't go the distance is a parlay piece. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my guy, Matt Morris, saying I already made the same, but on Corbett plus 2,000 round three ZM. Uh, I have this, I don't know what it is. I think I got burned. It was probably the darkest fight against uh, Shamil Abdurakimov where I took him inside round one, and then he goes out there and knocks him out in round two. I, it's happened to me a couple times. Uh, there, there was another one recently where it ended right at the ending of round two, but I had the round three prop. So now what I'm doing is, if the price is good enough, if it's like plus 2,500, plus 2,000 or something big like that, I will take round two and round three, or I'll mm -hmm. take round one and round two. So in this situation, like if you're backing ZM, I would take round two and round three in case McKinney can't make it to the, you know, the to the 10th minute mark, the 11 minute mark. Because the way that he fights, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it to round three. The, the guy's just a banshee, man. And his gas tank does not look the greatest either. So, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, the McKinney side. You like the ZM side. But the one thing that we can agree on, on is violence. Yes. I'm glad that we can agree on violence. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got Loma Lukbunri going up against Lupita Godinez. Godinez setting records here. I believe this is her third fight within 43 or 47 days. Uh, obviously, last time around, she came up short against a much bigger Luana Carolina. And that's one of those fights that you can kind of like point people towards to be like, okay, this is a fight where size matters because Godinez was doing everything correctly, in my opinion. Maybe he could have made a couple differences or changes in terms of how she was attacking those takedowns, but the fact that she was struggling as much as she did to get a girl like Carolina down, yeah, sizing had issues there. I think that Sajara Eubanks, who was the original opponent there, was going to complete those takedowns and be much more much better from on top uh but yeah carolina did a good job in terms of staying vertical and godina's really struggled with that especially with the striking and the range that she had to do with there luckily for her now she's going up against a similarly sized loma luke with me who has a pretty good striking game obviously hailing from white Thai and uh tiger white Thai, which is no longer anymore i think they uh george hickman who was a coach over there or the head coach over there started his own gym now so she's actually representing mm -hmm. that gym over there in uh thailand so shout out to those guys Loma really, you know, starting to get better as fights are going on. But stylistically speaking, I think that this is a tough one for her to get over. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't even talk about odds. Minus 165 for Godinez, plus 145 for Loma. Look with me. Uh, the prop that I'm actually looking at is uh, uh, Godinez via decision, which is currently sitting at plus 115. Uh, I, I do think that she'll be successful with a wrestle-heavy approach. I wasn't that big on Godinez in the past because the majority of tape I was seeing from her, she's just going out there and striking with these girls, right? And that's kind of why I backed Savannah Juarez very uh, small in that fight as a big underdog because I'm like, okay, if she's going to go out there and try to strike with this Juarez girl, maybe she could find herself into some trouble. But she absolutely dusted her, grabs the takedown, gets this fight to the ground, and finishes it quickly thereafter. And which we saw in the Carolina fight, she wants to go for takedowns now. And I feel like she would be dumb as hell to not go out there and try to take down a girl like Loma Lukumi, who is improving don't get me wrong but i do think that she still leaves herself open to getting taken down we saw sam hughes have you know a, a decent amount of success in terms of controlling loma she got three minutes of control time in that second round against loma and then two and a half minutes of control or roughly about two minutes of control time in that third round and she actually won that round based off that type of approach now we got godinez in my opinion who's a better wrestler better ability to get the fight to the ground and possibly even better top control I think that we see Godina's kind of role in this situation. And that hurts me to say, because I love Loma Look with me. I, I I want her to succeed. I want her to go out there and start knocking chicks out. You know what I mean? But 
I, I just don't see that happening here against a girl like Godinez. So I, I go Godinez, Godinez by, by decision plus 115. I might even have a play on her on her money line, minus 165. I still think that there's a decent enough value there to take a shot on her. How do you feel about this matchup? We are back on the same page for this one, man. Nice. Um, I think that Lupita Godinez is being a little bit underrated here in this spot. And y'all need to put some respect on my girl Dred's name. Actually, don't do that because I want to keep getting good numbers on her. People don't <laughs> understand Luana Dred Carolina, and they don't understand how good she is going to be in a fight or two. You watch, Locke. Keep well, giving well, me well, good well, numbers. <laughs> so I um, will continue to bet against her. Go uh, for if it. If I get a good enough. Uh, if you give me Sajara Eubanks again, baby. I'll do it again. I'll just say that. So uh, I actually, this was a spot, actually a lot of what I'm doing this card is what I said when uh, that fight happened. And I said, look, size matters. Lupita's too small. She's coming up a weight class on short notice. She's not going to be ready for how big Dread is. After round one, hammer Luana Carolina. And sure enough, after round one, Lupita starts to fade because she's trying to overpower a bigger, stronger girl who is getting better. Her takedown defense starts getting stronger if you don't get her out of there in round one. So we ended up getting like a plus 350, I think, or something like that on Dread after round one. But we got to look at the numbers here. Vegas isn't stupid, right? So we've got Lupita Gudinez, who's a minus 260, minus 280 favorite over Luana Carolina, her last fight. Now she's back at her real weight class where her size and her strength and her wrestling is going to actually matter. And she's only a minus 150 against Loma Luke Boonmi. Now, I know everybody out there loves Loma Luke Boonmi. I do too. But the fact is, Locke, I have been waiting for the moment that I can fade her because she is too small at this weight class in the UFC. She belongs at 105. There's no 105 division in the UFC, so she has to fight at 115. I think that Loopy's going to have success with the grappling. I think she's going to get the takedowns more than people expect. And we've seen Loma have an issue off of her back when she does get the takedown. I think that the, the submission is actually going to be my prop here. Lupita Gudinez by sub is kind of the Hail Mary shot here that I would be willing to look for. And that's like plus 500 out there. I think that's the way that I'll look. I think she wants to make a statement, man. After that last fight, I don't think she's going to try to grind her way to a win. She's coming off of being embarrassed and she's a hot prospect. She's going to try to remind everybody what's going on. So I think she gets her down. And the thing is, Luby's got better striking than people give her credit for. I know Loma Lukbunmi lives and thrives in that clinch area, but I totally think that Lupi Godinez can beat her at range because Loma Lukbunmi has that big body kick, but at range, that's about all she's got. If Lupi Godinez gets in, uses the hands, and gets out the all-in and all-out type of striking game, I think that she can chip away at Loma Lukbunmi on the feet and work her way to a decision. So I'm not like a 1,000% sold on that sub prop. That's the spot that I would sprinkle if I'm looking to kind of juice things a little bit here. But I'm very tempted on Lupi Godinez. I've been watching and waiting. I really want to see them at the face-offs. That's why I haven't locked in this bet yet is I want to see what they look like on the scales. And I want to see them face off and see what they look like size and strength-wise, just body composition. That matters when it comes to the grappling. Um, I'm very tempted on Lupi Godinez, and I might have a bet on her money line by the end of the day. 
Yeah, the, the, the reason that I was kind of a low on her is just I did not see her wrestling in play. And now we're kind of seeing it in play. And we're now starting to learn that, you know, she has a pretty decent background in wrestling. Her, uh, her siblings are wrestlers themselves. She's pretty much grown up wrestling as well. But what caught me off guard is when she had her fight against Lindsay Garbat on the on the regional scene. Lindsay Garbat for the Canadian combat sports fans know that she was a part of the boxing, uh, Canadian boxing team. And she chose to go out there and box with her and she beat her in the boxing, which was fucking, uh, you know, impressive to me. So, uh, yeah, now we're starting to see more parts of her game. I think we'll see her not cruise this weekend, but I do think that we'll see her, uh, get a pretty good win here against Lomo, who has a lot of hype herself. You know, she's very entertaining with her Muay Thai style. A lot of people are very hyped about that, but I do think she's going to struggle here with the, with the grappling and the, and the takedowns that Lupi will bring to the table. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Rafa Garcia going up against Natan Levy. Another, excuse me, very closely lined fight. Minus 125 on Garcia, plus 105 on Natan Levy. Uh, slightly tough fight to break down, right? Natan Levy has a karate background. You see it in his early fights. But, you know, over his, couple, his last couple of fights, he's really been going the grappling route, trying to take his opponents to the ground, grind them out, try to find a submission, try to ground and pound them. Uh, but he's been having very close fights against mediocre-level competition. Like, you know, I, I think that both guys have skeptical uh competition level of competition on the regional scene but i gotta give garcia the slight advantage as i do think he's fighting the slightly more proven fighters whereas natan levy like he almost got knocked out in one of those fights like very very close to getting stopped by i believe the kid the kid's name was ben lugo uh who had him in all sorts of trouble and possibly deserved a draw in that fight too considering how close he had uh levy out of there uh and then there's other spots where levy's getting taken down getting controlled losing rounds like there's a lot of iffy spots for levy on the on the regional scene luckily for him he was able to get uh Shaheen Santana, I believe the kid's name was. I uh, got him out of there in the third round of their fight after uh, Santana seemed to be slowing down. Uh, with Garcia, though, I feel like we might get like a bull and matador type of situation here with Rafa just kind of moving forward. Maybe uh, Levy playing on the outside with his karate. Uh, but I do think at a certain point, they're going to start to engage in the clinch and the grappling. And that's where I think that this fight is going to be won. And I slightly lean on the Garcia side. I do think he'll be the one kind of completing takedowns here and kind of controlling Levy from on top. It's just how successful will he be with controlling Levy from on top? Because if he's not, Levy can you know throw up a couple of submissions off his back. He has a decent reversal game as well. But I do trust. Uh, okay, maybe trust is a too big of a word. Trust here. is a strong uh, word. Yeah, trust <laughs> is a strong word. Uh, I, I do lean. I do lean that Garcia will be able to be successful in those uh, grappling and clinch exchanges. Uh, no big thoughts here. I, I do lean the Garcia side. I do think we. Uh, there is a slight possibility that Garcia could put him out. So plus six fifty for his KO prop. Not too bad. The guy throws with heavy heat. Uh, I know he wasn't able to take out Chris Gritzmacher and people are going to start to shit on him for that. But Gritz, you know, we know this, Clint. There are days where guys who are supposed to be chinny are not chinny that day. And then Chris yep. Gritzmacher chose not today, that day against Rafa Garcia. Um, so it could show here against Levy. We've seen him rock. We've seen him hurt. Close to getting finished in the past. Garcia has tremendous power in his hands. But I ultimately think that we're going to see Garcia win by decision, which is plus 175. Uh... I think you can go with the over here as well, uh, which is minus 175. A little bit juicy, but uh, I, again, outside of Garcia KO, I'm not sure we see a finish in this fight. How do you see this one? 
You and me line up perfectly on this one, man. I, I completely agree. I think Levy is, uh, this is a show me spot, man. This is a show me spot. We've got Hoffa Garcia, who the world could not be lower on, right? He steps into the UFC. We all are just wowed and awed by his first performance. And we're all backing him as a minus 250 favorite over UFC veteran. And he shits the bed. The fact is he had uh, Chris out on his feet in that first round. That fight could have been stopped. Like that. that's a fight that was very nearly done but he managed to not quite get the KO, burnt himself out, gassed, and here we are. So everybody's afraid to back him here in this spot. Rafa Garcia is strong as hell, and he's not a bad wrestler. So everybody thinking that Nathan Levy is going to come in here and just down him on the mat immediately. I got You got to show me, kid. You got to show me. Maybe Nathan Levy is the next big thing. Maybe he's an incredible prospect, and he's just going to blitz right through Rafa Garcia, put him on his back, and he's never going to get up throughout this 15-minute fight. You got to show me. I'm going to take the guy with the UFC caliber experience. I'm going to take the guy with the better hands. I think he's going to use a wrestle boxer type of uh, game plan here and pick Levy apart on the feet for 15 minutes. And if I was going to take a shot at anything, lock, it would be a round three sprinkle because Natan Levy is a guy who, again, you mentioned it. We've seen him clipped. We've seen him rocked. We've seen him hurt. If Hoffa Garcia goes back to his normal pace, if he doesn't come out excited in round one, trying to capitalize on the, uh, the you know big bright lights of the UFC if he just goes back to his methodical striking I think he pieces Levy up on the feet and if he does that correctly and Levy ends up taking a couple big shots maybe the knockout materializes a little bit later in the fight uh, the over or the fight goes the distance is probably the safest play on the board for this one but I wouldn't be shocked by a late finish and I do agree with you that if there is a finish it's probably going to come from the Garcia side I'm on the Garcia uh, money line at minus 110 Levy got to show me before I'm willing to back him or, or go the other way here. And I think it's a sweet spot because everybody's too scared to put their money on Hoffa Garcia right now, which is why we're getting a good price. I think people really need to kind of pedal back in terms of when guys have a bad cardio performance like Garcia did against Gritzmacher and look at why he gassed. Gritzmacher is why he gassed. Gritzmacher is exactly why he gassed. He pushed him. He like he did things that I don't think Levy will do, which is you know stay in the face. You know Levy, in my opinion, I think he might stay on the outside, use his karate if he wants to go for his grapple grappling type of approach. He could do that as well. But the pace that Gritzmacher puts on these guys, if he is successful in terms of staying alive in fights, he can really push guys. And I think that's exactly what he did to Garcia, which is why Garcia you know gassed out on his back foot the entire time. Like it's really draining. So I'm not questioning Garcia's gas tank here, which I think a lot of people are. Um, again, I, I think that I just don't see Levy bringing that same game. That uh, that uh, I'll take it a step further, Locke. I don't think Levy's capable of fighting that <laughs> game right, plan. Right, it's not that right. he won't do that. I don't think he's even capable of doing it. So, <laughs> you know, going out on a limb here, but that's what we do on the show, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it, Clint. All right, let's move on to the next one. I believe this is the prelim headliner. We got Tucker Lutz going up against Pat Sabatini. Polarizing opinions on both sides of this. Uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts once we get to your side. But minus 125 on Sabatini, plus 105 now on Tucker Lutz. Uh, the line was uh, closing. Yeah, Tucker Lutz opened up at plus 145. Uh, personally, I made it my dog of the night play. I got one unit on him at plus 110. I do think that he's a better striker of the two here. I do think that he'll be able to put his combinations together pretty well. And he does have a high school wrestling background, which we see on display in his last fight against Kevin Aguilar, where he was able to perfectly mix in takedowns behind his strikes and, and come away with that. Does he want to take Pat Sabatini down, though? Maybe not. You know, that's probably the best spot Pat has to win this fight is on the ground, maybe off his back or even on top. Uh, my, my concern for Pat, though, if you're looking to back him here, is uh, how how 
how confident can you be that he's going to consistently get Lutz down or possibly slap on that submission? Because Lutz, you know, we've seen him taken down, but he does a good job of getting right back to his feet. You know, his takedown defense is solid. You know, he does make fighters work for it later in fights as well. And I think that uh, we've seen Sabatini kind of struggle the later fights go uh, in terms of securing that top position and getting his wrestling going. I think that if we see Lutz, you know, survive a couple of those takedown attempts early here. He should be able to start opening up a little bit more with the striking and then really start to chip away at Sabatini and uh, take this fight over the 15-minute mark. Um, I like Sabatini. The kid's a good prospect, great jiu-jitsu. You know, we we obviously saw it on full display when Jamal Emers, for some reason, wanted to go out there and play leg locky with him. And, and really, me. yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was close to betting Emers in that spot. I'm glad I didn't. But good God, that was not a good look at all for members in terms of going into that guy's game. You know I mean? I'd be surprised if Lucker goes, uh, Lutz goes, I call him Lucker. I'm not sure if you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised if Lutz goes in there and tries to play uh, footsies with this guy uh, and, and try to go for a leg lock as well. I think this fight stays vertical for the majority of it. And in that side, you got to give Lutz uh, the advantage there given his striking prowess. I know, again, I know Sabatini's wrecking on his game uh, with in terms of striking, but from what I've seen thus far, it's a lot of just flashy stuff, right? Like it's not real any combinations meat and potatoes ones twos or anything like that it's just flashy spinning kicks spinning back fists all that type of stuff and i think that we'll see let's kind of telegraph or see those coming and then get his own combinations and striking going after that so i like lutz uh, i i don't see this one finishing though i do think we see it go the full 15 minutes here i'm going to be taking lutz by decision as my prop for this fight uh, and that's currently sitting at plus 215. Uh, if Sabatini does have any success, maybe he pulls off a submission. That's sitting at plus 345. I just don't see that happening here. I like Lutz, Lutz decision. How are you seeing this one, brother? You beat me to it again, man. Um, I completely agree. And freaking Jamal Emmers, man. This fight, I was <laughs> a little shell-shocked at first looking at this one. But the fact of the matter is I think that Tucker Lutz is uh, a smarter version of Jamal Emmers. And he's not going to make the same mistake. Now, I bet against uh, Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern is a fighter that I have whiplash betting against because there were about three or four fights in a row where I said, this fighter is not going to jump in her guard. And they jumped in her freaking guard. Like three <laughs> fights in a random Marcos being yeah. one of the big ones that was like, they're going to hurt her on the feet. And as long as they don't follow her to the ground, they'll be fine and every single one of them followed her to the ground so i lost a ton of money on a long stretch betting against her pat sabatini might be my new huckleberry like i'm just gonna keep trying to fade the guy because i don't think he's got the goods in a full well-rounded mixed martial arts fight against some of these opponents i think tucker lutz is the far better striker he's a good enough wrestler to handle his own in the grappling situations and again as long as he uses that wrestling in reverse he keeps this fight standing he's got a massive advantage in this fight and i think he's just gonna bop pat sabatini up for 15 minutes and maybe get a late finish jamal emmers had Pat Sabatini dead to rights in that first round. He was about to knock him out if he just backed off and hit him with one more big shot. That fight is over. I don't know if Tucker Lutz has the same amount of power that Jamal Emmers has, so maybe this one lasts longer, gets into the deep waters, but I do think he'll be able to methodically destroy Pat Sabatini on the feet. We'll see if I lose more money betting against Pat Sabatini. I, I definitely respect and I understand how good he is on the mat. So people think I'm fading him and disrespecting him. Like, no, I understand the skill set. I get it. Trust me. I'm fully aware. I just think that Tucker Lutz is the guy with the tools to go ahead and stop him. So I also got on the money line of Tucker Lutz. I got in much earlier in the week. I think I got plus 135 or plus 140 somewhere in that ballpark. So crushed the line move. 
That has not ended well for me recently. Every time I've crushed a line move, it has not mattered, and the bet has gone down in flames. So, you know, Taylor Fade at this point responsibly, you might be a lock on Pat Sabatini because I'm on the other side. <laughs> but uh, I would be looking at Tucker Lutz. I like your decision look. And uh, the round three sprinkle is another one here for me that I might end up locking in because it looks like Lutz round three, they've got him all the way up at 22 to one over on FanDuel, I think. And like I said, if he just chips Pat Sabatini up throughout the 15 minute fight, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls apart late because the leg kicks, the damage adding up. Like I, I do think that Tucker Lutz has finishing upside. So I think the round three spot might be a sweet little angle to get a little bit in there on, but Again, if you're going to make a larger bet, decision probably is more likely. But the money line at even money or plus 110, that's just that's the best spot that you could ask for if you like the Lutz side. You're getting dog money on a guy that I feel probably should be the favorite. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. It sucks kind of getting burned on props when you should have just taken the underdog money, right? Absolutely agree there. I do want to quickly address something that my guy DXJC56 said in terms of who the fuck has Tucker Lutz fought. But like... It's not, and, and then I saw somebody actually respond to him saying it's not who he fought, but how he fought them. And he's beaten everybody that they put and put in front of him. What is he supposed to do? He's finally yeah. now getting the shot to fight, you know, higher level competition and all that type of stuff. And I know Pat Sabatini has some decent uh, names on his record from the regional scene, but he was given the opportunity to fight these guys and came out on top. Tucker Lutz, maybe given those same opportunities, comes out on top. We'll find out this weekend. But I'm glad to hear that we're both on the same side here with Mr. Tucker Lutz. All right, main card time. And before we do get into the main card, I always want to remind the 140 live viewers that we currently have on this Friday afternoon. Appreciate you guys checking it out. Hit that like, hit that subscribe in the link, uh, the description below. And unfortunately, I don't have Clint's information in the description because this was all short notice and last minute. <laughs> but you guys are probably already following. But if you don't, make sure you guys go follow him on Die Hard MMA Pod. And then you can obviously check out his own podcast every Monday evening on pub sports radio so make sure you guys go check that shit out not to mention all the other content that clint does for those guys god damn clint hustling hard i love it all right what i do let's go all right first fight of the main card we got adrian yanez going up against davy grant in terms of odds we're currently looking at uh why can't oh there we go minus 310 now on adrian yanez plus 255 the return on davy grant now davy grant never been ko'd so that's an interesting aspect of this fight that we need to look into. However, uh, Adrian Yanez is just an absolute beast with the striking. When he gets into his flow state, he's really able to put together some great combinations. Uh, one thing I've noticed with him as well, he's one of the most balanced fighters inside the UFC. And what I mean by that is with the striking, you always see him kind of like, you know, feet perfectly spread apart, uh, great stance, never really leaning over too much one way or the other, never really like off balance like you never really see him trip up or anything that's something you see from some fighters but Yanez just stays true to his striking style and is able to you know produce these knockouts time and time again however th this is a tough one with David Grant in my opinion David Grant you know will you know won't be the better striker that's one thing that we can say for sure but he has a ton of knockout power that we definitely need to put some respect on uh he throws wild winging hooks he threw like the same combination over and over again at martin day and managed to knock him out with it uh in the third round got uh jonathan martinez with the same thing there and he's kind of starting to dispel this like okay these guys might be better technical strikers than me but i got the power and all i need to do is just land perfectly once and i can put your night uh put your put your night to an end are we that confident that Giannis is going to go out there and get the knockout against a guy who's never been knocked out before? I I see it happening. I, I My ultimate prediction is going to be Giannis by KO, which is around minus 130, if I'm not mistaken. I wish we were getting some plus money on that, but it is what it is. Especially 
excuse me, against a guy that uh, has never been knocked out before, like I said. Another interesting aspect about Davy Grant's game is I feel like he's going to attack Giannis in a way that he hasn't been attacked in the UFC before, and that's forward movement, maybe going for some takedowns because we've seen him kind of grind out fights in the past. He's kind of resorted to the takedowns when he feels like he's being outworked on the feet. Just watch that Grigory Popov fight. Uh, but I think that Adrian Giannis is just miles ahead of what Popov brings to the table here. Um I like Giannis. I like him inside the distance. I'm I'm considering him as a possible parlay piece. I'm just not sure if I can pull the trigger myself yet. At minus 310, I would rather take him inside the distance, in my opinion. But again, Grant is tough as hell. We could see this go over the full 50 minutes, but we could see uh, Giannis still get his hand raised uh, due to that as well. So uh, a couple spots here, like I said, Giannis by KO, minus 105 actually right, right now. Uh, Davy Grant by knockout, plus 850, plus 1,000 on a couple of spots. Not too bad of a head spot if you are too heavily invested in um, in uh, uh, in the Giannis side. Uh, sorry, there was a comment in the in the comment section that just threw me for a loop for a second. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take care of that. Collect yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck did I just read? Anyway, uh, yeah, Yanez, uh, KO. That's where I'm going to be going. I'm not sure if I'm actually going to be betting it myself though. That's my favorite prop on the fight. What about yours? I, I think I got whiplash from the same comment that you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always always fun when you read those and you're just like, yeah, oh. what? <laughs> I will say this anyway. right now. Sorry, Clint. Before we go on. Keep the politics off the stream. No politics in here. We're here to talk about fights. Keep that shit off the stream. If you guys want to talk about it, make friends. Go talk on Twitter, IG, whatever the hell it is. Please, 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 let's keep that shit off the stream. If we, it continues, we talk fights and we talk bets here. Exactly. If you're talking politics, there better be a betting line on it. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. not getting into it exactly. unless if it's can, actionable. <laughs> if I continue to see talk about it, I, I, I'm sorry, guys. We can't do it anymore. All right. Go for it, Clint. What, what, what's your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, man. I uh, honestly, I think the UFC is setting up my poor guy, Davy Grant. So I know he's never been knocked out. I know he's been durable his whole career, but freaking a man, this is the spot where I think Adrian Yanez puts the nail in the coffin that got started by Cheeto Vera. Like I've seen this time and time again, and somebody like called me out for not having a, an example of it on my own podcast. And I have an example that uh, works perfectly in my opinion. Uh, the first time that King Francis Ngannou got his title shot against Stipe Miocic, he almost killed the man. Now, Stipe <laughs> was able to get the grappling going, has a quick turnaround, fights Daniel Cormier, and gets starched in the first round by DC. They ran that fight back twice, and DC never knocked him out a second time. It was apparent that it was it, it was something that he, it was kind of a flash knockout situation, and I think it was the short turnaround after taking a beating from Francis Ngannou the fight before that kind of allowed him to have that extra edge. This is the kind of spot where I think that Davy Grant is coming back too fast. I know he didn't get knocked out by Cheeto Vera, but he took a beating. He took an absolute beating in that third round. It was close to him being finished several times. He's been rocked. He's been dropped. He's been hurt. Has not quite been knocked out yet. The fact that his main offense is those big looping punches and he's fighting a guy with crazy power like Giannis that comes straight down the pipe. I I think that Giannis is going to be the one that finally puts that never been knocked out uh, argument to rest for Davy Grant. I, I think this is too soon. I think the damage is building. I think Yanez, the straight punches after he downloads how you move and what you do in that first round is just going to be too much. So Davy Grant is my guy. I usually ride with him as an underdog because he's another one who's generally disrespected by the public and the betting lines, but I can't do it here. 
I just think Adrian Yanez is tough enough, durable enough. I think he's going to have a speed advantage and the fact that he strikes straight rather than countering with looping shots. He's going to be point to point B landing faster than Davy Grant will, and I think he'll be able to counter those hooks. The big question is the grappling. Davy Grant is an excellent grappler, but I don't know if he's a good enough wrestler to take advantage if there is some kind of an issue with Yanez. So I do think it's Yanez KO, which would be about even money. I can see him winning minutes because if Davy Grant does hang on there, he could also lose rounds by getting dropped like we've seen him done in the past. I parlayed Adrian Yanez myself a little bit earlier in the week. This line is getting a little out of control. I, <laughs> I see minus 370 all the way out there, which is crazy. Um, but if you want to bring that price tag down, Yanez KO doesn't sound bad to me. And then, of course, uh, another spot where you could look at a round three because Davy Grant, if his chin is going to hold up, it's going to be later in the fight that the knockout comes. You might be onto something with the round two and round three situation, but the bookies are onto us with this one because you're not getting very good numbers for Yanez round props. Round two is only like plus 400, plus 450. Yeah. Round three for Yanez, now we're talking eight to one, plus 850, 10 to one. That's more in the ballpark where I would look at making some kind of a round prop. Yanez round three doesn't sound too bad for me, uh, but getting a minus. 370 favorite down to even money for his best path to victory by knockout. How can you go wrong with that kind of a bet? Yeah, I like that as well. I see a lot of people kind of giving Yana shit for that Costa fight, but like Costa, very good job in that first round, was able to kind of just ding him pretty much at will. Yeah. That's not something Davy Grant has in his arsenal, right? Like not yeah. that sharp of a jab. That's the issue, right? That's that's kind of what I'm uh, what I'm seeing there. So yeah, I like Yanez. Yanez by KO. That's probably the way to go here. And yeah, I was gonna say the probably the best way to broach it is the round betting, uh, the round betting. But again, you're not getting too juicy of numbers there, especially when the round three is only plus eight hundred. Makes sense. All right, let's move on to the next fight. Here we got Joanne Wood. Yes, you heard that right. Joanne Wood going up against Tyler Santos in terms of odds. Obviously, heavy chalk here on Tyler Santos at minus 350. Plus 290 is the return on Joanne Caldwood. I think Tyler Santos is the shit, man. A lot of people are just uh, dragging, her, or dragging her through the mud because of that loss in her UFC debut tomorrow, Romero Barella. But I really think that was either the layoff or or just ring rust or or just UFC jitters. You know what I mean? Like debutant jitters against a girl like Barella who's already been there for as long as she has. We saw a night and day difference between Santos in that fight and her next fight against Molly McCann where she actually ended up going off as the underdog in that fight. Uh, happy to cast that shit, by the way. There's no way I'm backing Molly McCann at, uh, <laughs> at favorite odds. But Tyler Santos did a really good job in that fight in terms of, you know, just using takedowns herself and even uh, getting her striking going, which is probably the best part of her game. Now, here what Joanne Wood, we know what her game is. She throws in volume. That's kind of her game. She wants to go out there and land more strikes to, you know, hopefully think that's enough to get the judge's uh, decision. However, she's been screwed out a couple of decisions she's won some decisions that she probably shouldn't have won but that's a game you play when you better uh, joanne wood fight now it's i'm gonna i'm doing my best to not drop the calder anymore but with joanne <laughs> it's wood, hard man we're, yeah we're it's so hard. exactly <laughs> um we're used to seeing that from joanne now when you're getting her at plus 255 i can see why people are a little bit uh um interested in that line considering how close she normally fights with her level of competition however Tyler Santos, I think she has a, a, a an ace in the hole, if you want to call it. It's those takedowns, man. I do think she's going to be able to land them with pretty good consistency. I'm not a big fan of what Joanne Caldwell is. Uh, Wood, sorry, fuck, I slipped up. Uh, <laughs> what Joanne Wood does off of her back, you know, she, I feel as though Tyler will be able to con control her on the feet, or, or sorry, on the ground. And even if this does get back to the feet, this comes down to volume versus power, right? I think that Santos hits with a lot more conviction than what we see from Wood. Uh, and not to mention all the external factors that Wood had going on going into this fight. 
getting literally got married a couple weeks ago you know what i mean why are you cutting weight all that type of stuff a lot of distractions in my opinion um you know you've you've been married i've been married we we know what it takes to go into a freaking marriage i'm not sure how much not of that easy. uh yeah exactly i'm not sure how much john wood was picking up of that but not to mention john what's her head Isn't coach he her head coach though <laughs> exactly <laughs> so like a lot of a lot of question marks uh even on the mma hour i believe two days ago now she talked about uh wanting to retire in about four fights or so because she wants to uh start a family usually we know that that retirement word is is a red flag in a sense and especially when you're going up against a girl like tyler santos who has nothing but her eyes on the gold uh not a, not a good look there uh i think santos will land takedowns here i don't know if she'll finish calderwood you know i, I am going to go with the decision prop here uh santos by decision currently sitting at minus 135 uh i think we just see a full complete mma game from her i think she puts it on her with the feet uh then gets the takedowns after uh clearly making the rounds in her favor i know a lot of woods fights have been close but i don't think that this one will be that close i think that we'll see the minus 350 justified here how do you feel about this one uh, once again, I agree with you, man. Talia Santos is my parlay piece to go with Adrian Yanez. Squares parlay on the board, but that's what I've done for this weekend because I find a hard, I find it hard to argue against it. Um, Talia Santos is gonna have the grappling advantage. I worry about where JoJo's head is at, man. She's one of my favorite fighters. If I ever have a simp bet, it's JoJo all day. Like I love backing this girl, and she is one of the best in the division. But like you mentioned, getting married mid-fight camp after losing a couple of fights to big key contenders, we know she's never going to beat somebody like Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, man, one thing she talked about in her interviews on this fight was she was like, I was really sad. I was really disappointed. Like, I just want to go out there and I want to have a good fight. And she is deflated because she knows she's going to be on her back for 15 minutes here. Like she knows it's coming and she's sad that she got this matchup because she knows how this fight is going to play out. So Jojo, she's going to have a striking advantage, but I think Talia will do enough to close the distance. And then once she does, we're going to get a lot of cage control. We're going to get a lot of grappling and someone, I, I Kung Dao Chicken, I want to shout out because yeah. he nailed it. Yeah. If you were doing something like I am, where you've got that parlay, hedge Jojo by decision. She doesn't win any other way. She's never submitting Talia. She's never knocking out Talia. She relies on volume and striking. So if she's going to win, it's going to be by decision. You're getting a plus 300 underdog to win in her best, her best path to victory. Jeez, best and path came out best. So her best <laughs> path to victory, and they're giving you like an eight to one line on it. It's ridiculous. So that's an easy hedge to make sure you don't lose any money on this fight. But I really think Talia Santos just grounds her and grinds her. Uh, my only fear lock is that I've been skeptical of Talia Santos in the past. This is a step up in competition. And uh, now I'm backing her. Usually when that happens, it spells bad things. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I, I just have a hard time arguing against it. And especially with JoJo... I worry whether or not she's in the game all the way anymore, man. She's no spring chicken. She's not young anymore. And taking some of the losses that she has, knowing that the title shot is probably nowhere near her at the moment, you got to wonder if she's going to be all the way in for this one or not. And that's, uh, if you got one foot in the grave, you're not doing MMA right. And I, I have a hard time getting behind you. So I can see the argument for Joanne Calderwood, but I think Talia Santos grappling is just going to be too much. I, uh, it's not often that we get like solid hedge opportunities like this, right? Like if you feel you're a little bit overinvested in a fighter, especially at chalk odds, and then you get the best hedge opportunity at like plus 400 plus 500, which yeah. is what we're getting for Collarwood by decision. 
not too bad of a spot. So if anybody right, does have unit, any skepticism, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a fifth exactly. of a unit like that yeah. breaks you even on it. And then you still have 75% of your profit on the flip side. That's just, those spots shouldn't exist. So we're lucky in this uh, case that you can get that. Exactly. One that always comes to mind is Abdul Razak Hassan plus 600 <laughs> in round one against Alessio Rodrigo. <sighs> How did we miss that? Right? How I mean, did like, we miss it? How did, like, uh, even if you don't think he wins, plus 600, just like Terrence McKinney. how he wins. <laughs> exactly. Terrence McKinney, plus 400 uh, round one. Like, you got to take advantage of those spots, even if you don't think he wins, because they could end up winning. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely a good approach there. All right, let's move on to the next fight. A fight that was actually scheduled a couple months ago. We're getting it now, though, between Hani Yaya, between Kyung Ho Kong, and the line, you know, pretty much sticking out of pick which it was last time as well. I, I do lean the Kong side ever so slightly. I do think that if he survives early here, I do think he should be able to, you know, pull away in rounds two and three. Uh, does he finish in round three? Uh, what, what, are, what are the odds here right now for Kang round three? Currently sitting at plus 1,400. I'd be willing to take a little bit of a sprinkle on that, to be to be honest. There's the amount that round three spots I feel like are live yeah. on Saturday, man. Yeah, the amount that Yaya, Yaya does slow down, I do think that uh, Kong could uh, spring it on him there. There, and Kong also has had sketchy gas tank issues himself, but I just don't think to the extent of what Yaya shows. Uh, Yaya really goes for it early in the fight, tries to get his jiu-jitsu going, tries to get that submission going. If not, he starts to slow down. That's where we start to see like his wild winging hooks really start to come into play because he doesn't care about getting taken down. Because if he gets taken down, he's in his world. No matter how gassed he is, he'll probably always find a way to either pull off a reversal or even throw up enough submissions off of his back to keep his opponent guessing. But I think that Kong, I think he'll be rangy enough here. I think he should be able to keep it on the feet. Uh, and even if he does get taken to the ground, I think he will be safe enough. His jiu-jitsu is not that bad. If you guys have the opportunity, I would highly recommend going back and watching his fight with Michinori Tanaka. That fight was a grappler's delight. Just back and forth, grappling, reversal, submission attempts, all that type of shit. Kong of eventually gets his hand raised that night by decision because he was always a step ahead and i feel like that's what's going to happen this weekend as well i just don't have enough confidence in myself to to play that that pick em line here i'm not sure what it is but i do think that uh yaya could be live here uh but if you are putting a gun to my head i'm gonna go uh kong by decision which is currently sitting at uh plus 200 not feeling the hottest about it again that yeah yeah gas tank is sketchy and he could possibly get finished late in this fight um so like like we just said round three is live plus 1400 gotta take a little bit of a sprinkle on there too but i think the best path to victory and the ultimate path to victory here will be a decision for kong at plus 200 break it down i know i know you're going to be talking about the the finishing capabilities of kong here <laughs> lay it on me brother I mean, that's kind of the problem, right? Is that Kyung Ho Kang honestly isn't a finisher. He's a grappler. He's a wrestler. He's a position over submission kind of guy. The problem is we haven't seen him for two years. So he's in his prime, or at least he was in his prime. And now he's taken two years off, which we've seen this before. A lot of people think that's a negative. I tend to think it's a positive. It probably extended the life of his career. He probably comes back seemingly in his prime, even though he's a couple of years beyond it at this stage because he took those prime years off. As long as he's done everything right, made improvements, which based on his social media, he's been training and working. He's in excellent shape. I would expect to see improvements from him. Ronnie Aya is a guy that gasses out. He's a guy that relies on the club and sub and all of his wins are opponents that are no longer inside the UFC. So you got to wonder how effective he is in this day and age. And if he can take on a guy who's got a height, a reach and a youth advantage on him, given that he's got a bad gas tank and his, he's not been overly effective against solid competition in the UFC. Is Kyung Ho Kang solid competition in the UFC? I don't freaking know. He was okay. 
he's nothing special. Maybe he's better after taking those two years off. And I do think that he has some upside here. He's another one that honestly, man, I'm waiting to see the faceoffs. I want to see how big he looks against Ronnie Yaya. I'm probably going to back Kyung Ho Kang. I have him in my pay for Thanksgiving dinner parlay. I do think he's just going to be too much being bigger, stronger, younger. But Ronnie Yaya is the kind of guy that you can never count out. If Kyung Ho Kang is going to grapple with him, the sub is on the table. If Kyung Ho Kang is going to strike with him, that club and sub is on the table. Like You can't quite get away from what Ronnie Yaya wants to do, especially in a small cage. At the end of the day, I think Kyung Kang is the side. I think getting a pick and price tag is probably the right way to go here. And I do think that the round three, the round three sprinkle is totally live because Ronnie gasses. Like if he goes for broke and he goes for the finish, or if Kyung just Matt returns him constantly and keeps on using that grappling, eventually Ronnie is a guy that's going to slow down. Now, this is not, I mean, it sounds like I got a confident take on this one. This is one of those ones where I've got that tingle on the back of my neck that's like, ugh, but there's so many questions. I think I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not entirely sure that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Kyung Ho Kang is not a guy that I've ever been really excited about. The fact that he took those two years off and is coming back now, if he's roughly the same that he was before, Ronnie might murk him. So I'm not confident whatsoever in this spot. I'll say Kyung Ho Kang. I'll say Kyung Ho Kang by decision for my prop but definitely uh, a spot where I think that round three sprinkle is warranted. And Locke, I'm sorry I have to. Uh, I know we use the phrase, if you got to put a gun to my head, but if they did put a gun to your head, they'd probably get away with it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. We can move on now. I'll see myself out. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're the best, Clint. You're the best, you're the best. And it's funny that I don't have more confidence on the Kang side because I've been very big on him in the past. Like I've bet him at chalk before knowing that I probably have a dub in the bag and I feel like this is a good style for him to go out there and, right? and kind of just do what he does but again something just in the back of my head like you said that tingle on the back of your neck is just like it feels wrong like God, it's God. it's so obvious <laughs> that it's making me nervous <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly again we've had a couple of things this past these past couple of weeks that were obvious and do not happen michael Chandler, justin gaethje going to a decision just saying right shit like that fucks with my head which is why i probably won't be betting chalked fight doesn't go to decisions anymore because fuck that shit Anyway, uh, co-main event time. Very interested to hear your thoughts on this one. We got Michael Chiesa going up against uh, Sean Brady. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 165 for Sean Brady, plus 145 for Chiesa. I'm actually seeing minus 200s now for Sean Brady as well in a couple of spots. So a lot of love coming in on Brady. Um, biggest step up in competition here for Brady, obviously going uh, from who, who was the last time that he fought? Why can't I get the name out of my head uh oh jake matthews jake matthews he's actually matthews. my lock of the night play that night as well glad he was able to lock up that arm triangle choke in the third round uh now he's taking on short notice michael chiesa who's stepping in for kevin lee uh that would have been a great fight as well in my opinion um actually michael chiesa was scheduled to fight somebody else wasn't he or chiesa stepped in on short notice what was the story behind this i swear there's yeah, too many short notice mix-ups on this card, man. Honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. Let me look and see. I'll pull up Tapology real quick. I, I, I'm certain that uh, that Kiesa stepped in on short notice here. Uh, yeah, Brady was scheduled to fight Kevin Lee back in August. Uh, then he pulled out, and now Kiesa is yeah. coming in a couple months later. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, that choke from, from Sean Brady is just nuts, right? He's able to slap it on, and he does such a good job in terms of like really making fighters think about what's going on in the ground. There's a certain fight, I think it's the Christian Aguilera fight, where he's playing with the neck while he's in uh, side control, uh, or sorry, in half guard, and he's trying to get that choke, but he's also trying to pass the leg of Christian Aguilera to get in full mount. So he's like, you know, playing with both, like he's 
pushing on the leg a little bit to make him think that he's trying to pass guard. Then he goes for the neck. And then as he's going for the neck, he pushes the leg, gets the full mount. And it's just so super expertise. Say what you want about Christian Aguilera's, you know, jujitsu experience, but still seeing that in, in live form was pretty impressive from, from the Sean Brady side of things. Now here against Michael Chiesa, he's going up against a much taller, lankier man who has really good wrestling and really good jujitsu himself. However, I feel like the stock on Kiesa continues to drop when he goes out there and loses the way that he's supposed to be winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. going out there and getting out jiu And, you know, say what you want. Vicente Luque is a very high-level fighter. And the fact Don't that Don't fade Vicente yeah, exactly. Luque. <laughs> you, heard that, you learned that the hard way, Clint. I know you did. But, I got the uh, tattoo to prove it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do like... Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brady here. I do think that he survives like that wrestling heavy onslaught that's going to be coming here from uh, Kiesa. And I think that Kiesa just puts himself into too many dangerous spots. You know, I feel like he is submission over position, which is interesting because I did hear him on uh, the MMA hour earlier this week talking about mm-hmm. like he did get a little bit too crazy in his own brain and 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 did, you know, go for the submission over position where he should be kind of, you know, taking his time a little bit more. Like he said in the Vicente Luque fight, I got to that back a lot quicker than I did and I was just trying to spam that finish and i didn't get the finish i paid for it and now i learned my lesson now he's going up against a guy in brady where you can't slip up again you know i mean because brady will find that neck he will find a submission and try to get you out of there uh i feel as though uh he will struggle a bit to get brady down here and that's interesting to say because i believe out of every single fight that uh michael kiesa has had inside the ufc only one fight he was not able to land a takedown and that was against the much superior wrestler in kevin lee uh and then obviously we know how that fight finished pretty quickly thereafter um I think he might struggle to get Brady down here. Uh, and if he does, I think on the feet, Brady will have the advantage in terms of the striking. He has good leg kicks. And I think we're going to see a ton of leg kicks from him here considering the size differential that we're going to be getting. And on the feet, Michael Chiesa looks like a deer in headlights, man. The guy oh does not God. look comfortable at all. Like, it looks like he's just doing what he can to eventually get this fight to the ground. And once he gets the fight to the ground, that's where he does his best work. But how often is he going to get this fight to the ground? The reason I'm not betting Brady in this fight is because we have almost no footage of what he looks like off of his back. And that's my main concern here, because if he does get taken down, you know, there are times where guys fall too much in love with the jujitsu and only just throw up submissions and then just get controlled and end up losing rounds or you end up getting submitted themselves. What does Brady do off of his back? Does he look for reversals? Does he look for submissions? Does he know the correct time to try to work to back to his feet? Because, you know, everything that he's trying on the ground is not working out. Those are my question marks. And again, Biggest level uh, of competition uh, step up here uh, with Kiesa. So that's what's giving me pause on taking the Brady side. But if Brady does win, you know, there are a couple live options here in terms of his uh, path to victory. Uh, obviously, uh, Brady by sub. That's something that Kiesa has uh, obviously fallen to a lot recently. Plus 300 on Brady by sub. Uh, but Brady even by decision at plus 275, I don't think is a bad spot. Um, I'm going Brady decision plus 275. But yes, Michael Kiesa is live in my opinion. I think he's absolutely live in this spot. And as that line start, starts to stretch, my little trigger finger is getting a little happy. And if, you know, we see Kiesa plus 200 or plus 250 or plus 220, even I think plus 250 is just outrageous. But plus 200, plus 220, I might have to pull a little bit of a trigger because that line is just egregious at this point in time. But I do think Brady wins pretty by decision. How do you see this one go down? Yeah, man, I, uh, I can't figure out Kiesa to save the life of me. I've been on the wrong side of this guy so many times it makes me sick. Uh, I have basically beat the drum about the fact that I don't think he's a very good fighter. He's a decent wrestler, and he's freaking huge. Those are the two things that he does. And 
he's going to beat guys with that, especially moving up to 170. I really thought he was going to have a problem. As he's filled out, he's continuing to have that same advantage of size and strength plus wrestling to be able to beat people that I think are better mixed martial artists than he is. Now, the problem is I finally bought in right when he decided to shit the bet. So even going with him, I have lost money. So the fact that I'm looking at betting Brady here tells you that you need to just back the dump truck on Michael Chiesa because if I'm betting against him, he's winning. I bet uh, Brady at minus 160 a little earlier in the week. I think that his wrestling is strong enough to counteract Chiesa's. I know he's smaller stature-wise, but he's a strong, powerful guy. He's got good wrestling. He's also a BJJ black belt. I think the ground games are going to kind of counter each other out here. I do think that Brady's intelligent enough to know not to get stuck on his back with somebody like Kiesa. It all comes down to whether or not Kiesa can force him on his back for 15 minutes. If he just doesn't have an answer for the wrestling of Kiesa, well, there you go. That's going to be his path to victory here. I don't see Kiesa submitting Sean Brady. He's the kind of guy that's super defensive. He's uh, solid with his submission defense. I don't see anything like that posing a problem. But we've seen Michael Kiesa have these mental lapses. He's got the desk job at the UFC. He, once again, is another one of these guys, kind of like JoJo that we just talked about, that has seen that they're probably not going to be in the elite realm of fighters, at least fighting the way that they are now. He might have that self-belief that he thinks he's still going to get there, so can't necessarily count him out for that. But when you've got a cushy desk job that you're very good at and you don't get punched in the face for, you got to wonder if they're all the way in. If he's not a 1,000% ready for this, I think it's going to be a Brady spot all day. Like you mentioned, Brady by sub, Brady by decision. Those are both on the table. I don't understand why people are saying that Kiesa has good striking. I've seen a couple people on Twitter talk about him having the striking advantage, and that's incredibly suspect in my opinion. He hits hard. He's big at 170, but his striking is so awkward and bad. Brady's boxing is much tighter, much more fluid. Those leg kicks are going to be there. I think if this thing is a striking battle, it's going to be Brady. If it's a wrestling match, I'm hoping Brady is solid enough to defend the takedowns and keep this thing standing. As the shorter man, Kies is going to have a hard time getting in on the hips, and I think that gives us an advantage. However, Kiesa can always do those awkward draping trips where he just kind of falls on him, lands on his back, uses a guillotine pulse guard. There's ways that he can find this thing to get it to the ground. Uh, so I do I do completely respect that Kiesa has a path to victory here, and like I said, I'm terrified being on the other side of him again. The way this line move is going, though, I might hedge out, folks. Yeah. I got Brady at minus 160. If I can get Kiesa at, like, plus 175, I'm taking the free money, and I'm off it because I don't need to lose more money on a Michael Kiesa fight. Me and my guy, uh, Bleed, came on as a guest for my podcast on Monday. Both of us have been wrong on Kiesa consistently, and we decided to attempt to break the curse together. And that's why I went ahead and locked in that bet, but I'm getting cold feet, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It, it, as the as the line gets wider, it is scary for sure. It might be like a, a public mush at this point. I don't believe in Twitter mushes or anything like that, but I do. This, this, <laughs> you know, but still, like, it is getting it is getting a little bit sketchy here. I will say that the thing that does concern me as well is if this fight does stay, well, if Brady wants to get his striking going, he needs to close that distance, right? And in, in terms of closing that distance, there could be a counter takedown that is possible from uh, Kiesa here. He wants him to close the distance so he can get his paws on him and try to drag him to the mat here. But if he can't, he's going to be in for a world of hurt, in my opinion, on the, on the feet here because I think that Brady is much better in those spots. All right, main event time. We got... 100 close to 170 live viewers in the chat right now appreciate you guys checking out the show if you guys haven't already make sure you guys hit that like hit that subscribe show your boys some support and obviously if you don't already i'm surprised if you don't 
Make sure you guys follow my guy Clint. I, I got to point the right way. There we go. Make sure you guys follow my guy Clint on on Twitter at DieHardMMAPod. I believe it's the same handle on Instagram as well. Am I correct in that, sir? There you go. And on TikTok. Right. And TikTok, exactly. <laughs> the best TikTok game in MMA betting Twitter, hands down. Hands down. Not to mention, shout out Dan Stuff that gave my guy Clint some love as well in terms of MMA betting content. Dan Stuff is a G. If you guys don't know who Dan Stuff is, you are a casual. I was floored by that. When Dan go. shouted out my TikTok, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, I made it. Mom. <laughs> exactly. Mom. Mom. <laughs> I fucking love it. All right. Main event time. And uh, I see my guy in here who is a Pete G saying main event. It just so happens to be the last fight of the night. Uh, we got <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should call it. the last fight of the night. Uh, we got Ketlin Vera going up against Misha Tate. Even odds here. It seems like there's money coming in on Vera, but it seems to be coming back in on Misha now. So we pretty much have minus one ten, minus one fifteen on both sides. Um, seems like an easy fight to break down, right? Ketlin early rounds one and two, seems maybe like it, right? half of round three, and then after that, it should be Misha Tate being able to secure takedowns and possibly getting a finish later in this fight. The, the prop that uh, stuck out to me the most, honestly, was the under four and a half at plus 140-ish. Um, uh, even though Ketlin Vera doesn't have any knockouts on her record as of late, she throws with absolute heat in her hands every time she throws combinations. Like, too much. Like, so much so to the point that she gasses herself out and more often not drops the third round in all of her fights. Yes, she even unanimously dropped round three against Kelly Fasholz. Yeah, you shouldn't know who she is. <laughs> just letting you guys know so yeah Vieira's gas tank does tremendously fall off as the fight goes on because she throws everything into her strikes luckily enough for her she's able to win the first two rounds enough to be able to get that uh that finish or sorry that uh that judge's decision and then she obviously got that uh finish over Sarah McMahon uh which was her only finish inside the UFC I believe that was by submission however Things could get shaky on the feet here for Misha Tate if she does decide to strike. And that's where I think the over four, uh, under four and a half comes into play because Vera, I think, could touch Tate and put her down and possibly put her up. Maybe even follow up uh, with the club and sub situation type of uh, scenario there. However, uh, I do think that Tate will be able to survive. I do think she'll be able to counter well in terms of being able to drag the fight to the ground and then just getting her own game going. And I think the later this fight goes, the more chances we see Misha Tate pulling this thing off. So I like the under four and a half. Both girls have finishing capabilities, uh, and especially with the amount, excuse me, that Vieira seems to slow down. I think those takedowns will come a little bit easier for Tate as the fight wears on, and I think we'll see her get a finish from that top position, whether it's a TKO or a submission. So a couple ways that we can attack this, fellas. Uh, Vieira by KO plus 600. I think that's a decent enough line if you think she has the tremendous advantage on the feet, which I think she does. Uh, she could possibly find that chin of Tate and put her down. Uh, but otherwise, Tate inside the distance plus 375. And then the round props, Clint. You know I'm already on a couple of those round props on Coolbet. Shout out to Coolbet once again. Uh, promo code MMALOTN2. They match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. But as I am pulling up the actual lines that I got on her round props, uh, she currently has uh, round... So I took round four and round five. I, I left round three out of the equation because I feel like Ketlin could stick around enough for at least 15 minutes. But after that, I think she'll start to do window. Plus 2,500 in round four, Misha Tate. Plus 3,000 round five, Misha Tate. Took some sprinkles on that. How do you see this one going down? Uh, once again, you and I are in 
lockstep, if you will. <laughs> so I'm sorry, dad jokes all day today. So let's go. <laughs> I completely agree, man. I think this one's pretty easy to break down. Ketlin Vieira early, Misha Tate late. We've seen both of these women really struggle. Ketlin Vieira gasses. That's a huge problem for me. She's got a size advantage. She's got a youth advantage. She's probably more dangerous on the feet, even though I think Misha Tate has better technical striking. Ketlin Vieira hits like a truck. On the mat, we know Vieira can submit people. So there's definitely some offensive upside there. And we've seen her just be completely helpless in round three, gassed out. What's she going to look like in round four? What's she going to look like in round five? Like, those are massive questions to me. Misha Tate on the flip side of this thing. We have seen her be pretty tough and gritty, but we've seen her TKO'd. We've seen her tapped out a couple of times. Now, granted, it was to some of the best women in the division, but she's no spring chicken anymore. And I would be willing to believe that somebody who's a young gun would probably be able to outstrength it, you know, get her in a situation like that where maybe technique would have done it in her younger years. Now that she's older, she can just be overpowered by somebody like Ketlin Vieira. I think we go violence, man. I'm going to side with Misha Tate here for the main event, but it's not out of, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Ketlin Vieira clubs and subs are early because we've seen her hurt before. We've seen her rocked before, and we've definitely seen her give up submissions before. But if Ketlin doesn't get her out of there early, I think that Misha Tate 2.0 is in effect, and she'll use those running back thighs to take her down and grind on her for 15 minutes. And once we get into round three, four, and five, I think Vieira is going to be practically helpless off of her back, and Tate looks for the finish. She wants the finish. She wants the title shot. She wants to be exciting. She's talked about that. Going for the finish does two things. One, it gets you the finish. And two, it opens you up to be finished. So if she gets a little over aggressive, she could land in an arm bar. She could get hit by a knee running in for a takedown. Like there's a lot of ways being overly aggressive like that can backfire. So I just think we go violence, man. Fight doesn't go the distance at plus 120 in the main event is the spot that I'm looking at. I haven't bet it yet, but I think I'm going to. Uh, I was going to bet Tate and I was going to sprinkle the rounds three, four, and five for Tate. But I'm like, you know what? Ketlin Vieira is very dangerous early in this fight. Why not just bet on violence and don't care who wins? Just just root yeah. for an exciting fight when we think this is going to be a boring women's main event. Hopefully Misha Tate comes out, pushes the pace, and causes this thing to be exciting one way or the other. Yeah, I think that this is one of those spots where you know we will see both of these women kind of push it and try to achieve that entertainment value because I'm sure they've been hearing it all week as well. Like this is the main event. You know what I mean? Like, are we really ending the night off with a fight like this? Maybe they want to kind of silence those haters and, and silence those detractors. So we'll see how that goes down. I do want to quickly just highlight this year by Kung Dao Chicken. James Cross said he's, he's heard Tate hasn't been in the gym lately due to being a new mom. Does that make sense though? She fought Renault already after being a mom. You know what I mean? Like yeah, she's, she's been in the gym. She looks in fantastic shape. I don't know. I don't know what uh, James knows that we don't know. But well, again, let's maybe she's violence. not drilling technique. Maybe she's in <laughs> maybe. the home gym. Maybe she's lifting. And, you know, yeah. we've seen that before where fighters skate by on their old skill set, but just stay in shape. That could be the kind of thing we're talking about here. Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad that we're in agreement in terms of the violence spot here, because I do think that we'll see a finish on either side. All right. That brings us to our, well, people's uh, favorite part of the stream is the three best prop bets uh I, unfortunately i don't have coe's this week either he was unable to get back to me with his prop bets in time uh but i do have john's prop bets uh, which i will be sharing with you guys but first before i do that 
gotta announce uh this evening's uh ultimate weigh-in show host or sorry guest sorry god damn I, i'm really stumbling through the end of the stream here clint and i apologize for it here we go uh the weigh-in show uh guest for this evening i do have the returning Santino DeFranco from Mr. Fight Ready's gym, or sorry, uh, from the Fight Ready gym down there in beautiful Arizona. Um, very much looking forward to breaking down the fights with him once again tonight. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern is when we're going to be going live. I haven't seen the weigh-ins at all yet, so we're obviously going to go through the weigh-ins, see who looked the worst, see who looked good, see who looked bad, whatever the hell it is, uh, and then we'll break down the fights one last time for you guys. So make sure you guys join us tonight. 9 p.m. Eastern, Santino was great last time. I'm sure he'll be great once again this time. All right. Three best bets, uh, three best prop bets. I will kick this thing off. First and foremost, I got Soriano by KO at plus 220. I do think he keeps this fight vertical and then eventually finds that knockout against the Shai Ilan, who is just, you know, uh, one and done on the feet. Uh, you know, kind of just likes to throw big shots out there, leaves himself open to get countered. And if he can't get those takedowns going or can't get that control time going, I think he's really going to struggle on uh, struggle to to survive this fight. I think that Soriano finishes him. So I like Soriano by KO at plus 220. Next up, uh, I like ZM and McKinney under two and a half at minus 185. A little bit chalky, but given the way the McKinney fights, man, I, I'd be surprised if this fight actually hits the distance here. And when I said earlier in the show that I want to stay away from chalky totals, I'm talking like minus 300, minus 350, like Tiago Santos and Walker were, or Gaethje and, and Chandler was. Minus 185, in my opinion, that's a bettable range. So I like the, the under there. And then lastly, I like the Pinero and Hughes under two and a half at plus 100 as well. Uh, again, Pinero early, or I think that she does gas enough and Hughes will pay or push a good enough pace that she will be able to get her out of there um, by by the ending of this fight. So I like that as well. I will say Hughes round three, like I said, plus 3,000, absolutely crazy line. Pinero round one as well is not too bad of a look if anybody thinks that she can replicate what she's been doing for the majority of her career and get her opponent out of there early. Um, I do quickly want to say before I move on to John's, we all went 0 of 3 on our best prop bets last week. Me and John. Uh, I can't remember the ones off the top of my head, but we all shit the bed just pretty much as everybody did. That's There's like two people that made money on last week's card. Exactly. Don't worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, for John's bets, again, I can't give you guys much of an explanation in terms of where his head's at. If you guys want to know where his head's at for these bets, make sure you guys check out his club and sub podcast Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, they did it a couple of days ago. So make sure you guys go check out his podcast. But the first one that he likes is uh, Wood via Decision at plus 400 completely understand it in terms of if this does go to 50 minutes and what is able to make it close could turn out to be value so i get that uh next up he likes kiesa by decision at plus 300 thinks he i've talked to him about this matchup a little bit he thinks he can complete takedowns and control brady from on top me not so much we'll see how it goes down uh and then lastly he likes grad via ko at plus 1000 uh again a very live possibility considering the amount of damage that we've been seeing yana's take however i'd be surprised if uh grant is able to hit him with one of those hail mary shots and get him out of there but at plus 1000 again worth a little bit of value people, in my opinion all right clint uh i unfortunately do not have a graphic for yours <laughs> but uh what are the uh what are your three breast prop bets what do you have jotted down here it's all good, man. Short notice. We got to do it live. I get it. Um, I need one of those. Uh, I need one of those little characters, though. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got a uh, Vieira and Tate doesn't go the distance. I think that's going to be my first one here. Plus 120. Uh, that number is dropping, so I better get out there and bet it sooner than later myself. Uh, I see plus 110s. I guess I'll give myself plus 110 because it's more widely plus 110 than it is plus 120. I'll be fair, Locke. I'll be fair. Um, <laughs> Doesn't go the distance. I see violence in the main event. Vera early. 
uh, Tate late. The fact that Tate is hunting that finish, I think that's going to be a big deal. I think that she either exposes herself to get finished or she gets the finish herself, getting plus money on a five-round main event going under. I like it. Uh, prop number two, we're going to go Quilang Aori by decision at plus 280. I think that Cody Durden is not going to be able to impose his will grappling as much as he would like. I think Aori's got a big striking advantage, and because of that, anytime they're in between the grappling exchanges, I expect Aori to be getting off some damage and be doing some uh, work on the feet. I do think that he's got good enough grappling to keep this thing standing. He's tall, he's long. I like Aori. I think he's a solid prospect and can put it all together here against a guy that I just haven't been impressed with, but I don't think he gets him out of there. So decision prop at plus 280 sounds pretty good to me. And then finally, man, I was struggling on which one I wanted to go with for my third because I want to end it with a bang. And I think I am going to go ahead and uh, give out Garcia by knockout at plus 650. For my third pick, you can have one or two where you play it safe a little bit, but then you got to go for the bag with one of these props, man. And I think there's just significant upside to Hoffa Garcia. I don't know that Natan Levy can take the beating that Chris Grusmacher did in that first round. So if Garcia comes out the way he did, I think that KO is on the table. If Garcia just stays safe, counter wrestlers, uh, counter wrestles, pops him up a little bit throughout the 15 minutes. I think that knockout will kind of come to him a little bit later in the fight as Levy gets tired, getting used to a new level of competition here in the UFC. Hoffa Garcia to bounce back gloriously, plus 650 by knockout. I love it. I love it. And I, I, again, this wasn't one of my top three, but I do have to shout this one out. Shout out to my guy, Matthew Moore. Main event doesn't go to decision is plus 225 on the bet. So, uh, as soon as I hop off the stream, I'm going to be seeking that. I more than likely will be making a play on that. Hey, they're uh, giving you plus 225. Take that. Hell it's yeah. Even uh, the fight doesn't go to decision as well. Not even the under four and a half. You get an extra two and a half minutes. That's plus crazy. 225. I love it. I love it. All right, Clint. Uh, anything you want to say on the back end here, and then I'll wrap this thing up. Hey, uh, just watch out for my undefeated post weigh-in show breakdown. I'm going to go finish that as soon as we pop off here live, and I'll be uploading it. It should be ready uh, in an hour or so for everybody to view over on Pub Sports Radio. Give me a follow at DiehardMMAPod on pretty much every social media platform. And then uh, that's about it, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to jump on and break things down with you on this one. No worries. Thank you for uh, jumping in on short notice. I truly appreciate it. And I know I we're going to go, I said we're going to go 60 to 70 minutes. Now here we are almost 90 minutes into the damn podcast. But again, it's just so fun Every talking time. to you, Clint. It's Every just time. so fun. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? The people enjoy it. We got 170 live viewers in here currently. Again, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then give my guy Clint some love as well. Uh, yeah, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. I will be back with Santino DeFranco to break down the card one last time for you guys. I am going to go watch the Wayans myself right now as well to see if there's anything that catches my eye. Uh, uh, but yeah, make sure you guys enjoy the fights. And again, if you guys don't catch tonight's fights or tonight's stream, tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern is the start time of the fights. Don't get caught napping. Early start time. God, I love it. I don't even know if I'm actually going to be watching. I think I'm going to a pro MMA show up here in Ontario, headlined nice. by Sarah Kaufman. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, I uh, appreciate everybody checking out the stream. Good luck on your bets tomorrow. And I will see you tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Ultimate Wayne Show War. Tucker Lutz, I guess. I'm going to go with Tucker Lutz. That's how I'm going to be ending this show. I like it. For Tucker Lutz. Let's go. Let's go. Peace out, guys. Appreciate you guys (laughs) joining the stream. See you guys tonight.